0: the first episode of the Adopting Joy podcast. I'm your host, Colleen Ryan. It is my passionate mission to share inspirational insights, actionable tips, tools, and techniques that you can apply immediately so you can create your best life. Today, I'm going to share one of my stories on dealing with a difficult person and how i turned that struggle into success because i believe one of the reasons it happened was for me to turn that pain into the purpose of inspiring others to live a more free and fulfilled life filled with greater happiness mental and physical health and healing if that is what you're looking for you've come to the right place. Welcome to this first podcast on adopting joy. I'm Colleen Joy Ryan, and I want to thank you so much for being here. I'd like to start with a thought And just kind of take you back to a situation that happened to me recently. I don't know if you're somebody that loves the outdoors, loves nature, but July 9th, um, just a couple of weeks ago, I had the privilege of speaking in the Grand Canyon. And the topic was emotional intelligence practicing self-awareness, things like empathy for other people, self-motivation, really um, knowing yourself and knowing how you react in situations, but also perceiving how other people react, kind of thinking about not only what are they saying, but what maybe are they not saying? So it's really self-awareness as well as being aware of other people. And um, I find that nowadays a lot of organizations think that they need more communication when in fact they need better communication. So this was going to be a class on um, having better communication, people skills, soft skills, Dealing with difficult people, uh, a little bit on dealing with narcissists, things that we can all use, not just professionally, but personally. And this was going to be mostly PhDs. So I had spoken for a, a group similar to them before, and they had asked me to come back and When I was there in early July, the weather was spectacular. Everybody has this idea that the Grand Canyon is like Phoenix and that it's always hot, but it wasn't. It was in the mid-80s, and the day that I was going to be speaking, I was um, actually going to be speaking in the Grand Canyon National Park. So I was looking forward to um, just to being back there. And when I got up that morning and throughout the day, um, it was going to be 85 degrees, perfectly sunny. If I recall, there was not a cloud in the sky. It was like an intensely turquoise blue sky. So I get to um, the place where I was going to be conducting the speaking engagement. And it was the same usual, very spacious room. And we were only going to have about 25 people. So it's nice to have a spacious room. Everybody can get comfortable, they can, they can stretch out. So people were filtering in and I'd gotten everything all set up. And just to describe the, the setting for you, this particular room has uh, floor to ceiling windows. You look out, you see the forest. It's almost solid, tall, green pine trees with a little bit of that turquoise blue sky. So it's just a beautiful woodsy setting for conducting a training. So I was sitting with the key decision maker who hadn't been there at the time before. And so it was just um, him and me privately at a table off to the side. And he said, now, when I introduce you, how do you pronounce your last name? And everybody that introduces me up until now, is so worried because I've gone by my maiden name, even though I've been married before. um, Up until recently, I've gone by my maiden name, which is (laughs) Kettenhofen. So you can understand how that wouldn't be comfortable for people. So just off the cuff, I said to him, oh, don't worry about it. Just call me Colleen Ryan because my name is changing anyway. So he uh, asked me, you know, oh, you know what, why are you changing it? And I just, I said, it's a long story. So I didn't go into it. Um, So he went up and he introduced me. And then he said, and I'm going to let Colleen share with you why her last name is going to change to Ryan. (laughs) Well, that put me on the spot because I've never shared the story of why I am changing my last name. So this was a fairly short speaking engagement. It it was about three hours. And throughout the day, they were they were a wonderful group. And I could just tell the minute they came in, when you're a speaker, you can tell when people are coming in what kind of a group you're going to have. So they were a wonderful audience, very engaged. I like to keep my programs interactive and so every now and then they would say, oh, tell, tell us the story. Tell us why your last name's changing. And I said, you know, I'll, I'll just wait till the end. You know, we'll make sure we cover all the material so I can get all of, all of you out on time. So it was toward the end. And I think we had about another five minutes or so, maybe maybe 10 minutes. And they wanted to know the story. So I shared with them that uh, growing up, my dad had always wanted boys. Um, He would verbalize this, the relatives would verbalize it. It was an open secret. Well, unfortunately for him, he got me, the oldest, and my sister who's almost five years younger. So he wasn't real involved in our lives but I was supposed to have been the firstborn male. As a matter of fact, they already had the name picked out. <laughs> Kurt, K-U-R-T. I actually love that name. Anyway, he didn't spend a lot of time with us. We spent a lot of time with my mother, but he was highly critical um, of everything it seemed that I ever did. And I, looking back, you know, there's a reason they say hindsight is twenty twenty. And looking back, I can see where, one of the reasons he was highly critical, I think it was his own insecurities. He would compare himself to his heavy-hitting, high-earning friends, who um, happened to make a, a great deal of money Well, if you're going to compare yourself to your most successful friends, you're going to be miserable. As you all know, there's always going to be people better off than you. There's always going to be people worse off. And I think it's important to just have a positive attitude and practice gratitude, be grateful for everything that you have. We have so much in this country the United States to be, to be grateful for, but he didn't grow up with very much money and he grew up in the depression. And I think he all, always had that scarcity mindset. Um, but he had a great relationship with his parents. So I, I could never understand the extreme criticism. And after my mom died unexpectedly, it got a lot worse. I think he was stuck in the, uh, anger phase of the grieving process thankfully my sister and I were in our 20s by then so early 20s but in our 20s so that helped a little bit i'll give you an example of some of the things that he would say when i was a speaker i've i've been in this business now as a speaker and an author for about 21 years and he would say things to me like well i have my mba So if you have somebody like me or a PhD in your program, somebody like me would be thinking, what can she teach me that I don't already know? (laughs) And he literally would have me visualize these catastrophic situations, almost as if to visualize what would be the negative, what would be the worst possible thing that could happen. I look back now and he was the opposite of a life coach, the opposite of an encourager. So when I was 53 years old, finally, we we had a conversation on the phone and he was already in a bad mood and just just went for the jugular. And I just lost it. We had a falling out. And I remember after I said what I said at the end of the falling out, I remember the first thing that came over me was this should have been done decades ago. I, I just, I knew he should not have been in my life uh, really from the time that my mom passed away unexpectedly from an accident. And years later he, uh, he ended up getting cancer and he went into remission and I started to think that, uh, you know, life is short and I don't want it to be like this. He's the only dad I have. And so I started to reach out and I reached out one Christmas with a card and it just said, I love you. And it had my name and my dog Joy on it. And then a few months later, I sent a short handwritten note because I never heard back. And I thought, well, I'll just send a handwritten note in case he didn't get the card or for some reason, our stepmother didn't want him to have it. I, I didn't know. And there was no response. So I think it was maybe a year later and somebody that knew him very well from their UCLA days emailed me and said, you know, your da- your dad's not doing that well. I think it would be very beneficial if you were to reach out to him for his birthday, June 11th. So she didn't realize I had already reached out twice, um, which had been devastating not to get a response. But I started to see a side of him too that I hadn't seen. So she said, well, you know, go ahead, reach out just one last time. And then she said, and by the way, do it in an email, don't waste a stamp. So I sent an email. It was a very cute picture of me with uh, Joy and a friend of mine, uh, his large golden retriever named Moose. So I went ahead and I emailed the picture and I wished him a happy birthday. And I, I said some nice things and I didn't hear back. And his health at this point wasn't very good. He was still in very good shape physically, which he always had been. He uh, had always had movie star looks. And those aren't my words. Those are my friend's words. Really, my parents both had movie star looks their whole life. So he had always been in uh, great shape. His mind was very sharp, just like his father, whom he had been very close to. And so I I would say things to myself like, "Oh, he'll he'll reach out." It won't happen probably till the very end because he's from a different generation. He was raised to that to show your feelings or emotion is a weakness. So, he'll he'll reach out, but it probably won't be until he's on his deathbed. So, I'd always held out hope. And in the end, on November 8th, 2017, he passed away. Now, I mentioned that he was of a sound mind. He never had any dementia. As a matter of fact, he had called my aunt to have her call my sister to let my sister know that he had only been given a week and that he could go at any time and to get his things in order. And I Uh, First of all, in case you're wondering, well, did he ever reach out to your sister? No, he didn't. But I remember thinking, okay, Colleen, he is making a conscious choice not to reach out. Remember this moment, because this does give it closure. It's not like he had dementia. It's not like he passed away suddenly. So I will tell you that it was devastating. My dream of him ever reaching out was completely shattered. Uh, It was so devastating that for a while it was very depressing. I think it was a blessing in disguise. I actually worked the next day, believe it or not, because it helped to take my mind off of it. But it went from depressing to debilitating for a while and anger, and how could you, and all the emotions that you would expect to feel. The other thing that I distinctly remember is for about two or three weeks, I I felt like I was walking around with an injury. I felt like I was walking on crutches. And I truly believe that what you perceive in your mind as real your mind does not know the difference between what is real and what is not because it took me about three weeks to see and to realize that i didn't have any injury and i had no idea what that was all about so That started to go away because I was conscious that, knock on wood, I have no health problems whatsoever. I've been very fortunate. And something happened December 1st. I don't know what it was, but it was a new month, a new frame of mind. And I started to look at this as a positive challenge to overcome. How was I going to overcome this obstacle And then use this information to help other people. And going back to that speaking engagement in the Grand Canyon, I told them the story. And I said, you know, the reason that I'm changing my last name is it doesn't make sense to keep the last name of a father who really just didn't want to be a parent and didn't want to be a part of my life. And so I am taking on family names. Um, I didn't have a middle name. So my middle name is going to become Joy, compliments of my best friend who suggested that. So as I was telling this to the class, some of them were in tears. Um, One thing I didn't expect was it had a boomerang effect in the class in that they started to talk about... uh, how they raise their children and how they'll ask them questions like what did what did you learn today what was the most important thing that you learned and one woman said she says to her 10 year old son every evening what was one thing that made you happy today what was one thing that made you sad if anything and what did you learn what was the most important thing you learned so I think that they really started to evaluate themselves in terms of how are they as parents. And considering that the topic was self-awareness and being a successful role model and a leader, I realize now that the the story fit perfectly. And they loved the story. And, uh, and, and nobody was looking to leave. They seemed mesmerized. And I said to them, I said, you know, I've never shared this story with any group because I always felt like it wasn't businessy. And they said, you should, you should. They said it fits right in with the topic that you're speaking on. So as it turned out, one thing that I told them at the end is that no matter what you try to do to resolve a situation with a chronically difficult person. And I say chronically because we can, all, we can all be difficult from time to time. But there are some people, like the chronically impossible people, where you may never please them. You can read all the books. You can listen to all the podcasts. You can do all the right things like I did. And nothing is going to work. Because some people are just miserable, insecure people. Keep in mind, hurting people hurt others. Hurting people hurt others. And being that he was an extreme perfectionist, I I just don't think that he was ever a happy person because life isn't perfect. And people that were very close to him, who had known him since they were 18 years old, had all said the same thing. So there's a number of life lessons here that I want to give you. I want to give you some takeaways and think about how you can apply these to your own life. The first one, stop worrying about what other people think. You're never going to please everyone. And I think that's one that all of us are working on from time to time. Number two, with chronically difficult people, it's often not about you. It's what's going on with them. Number three, know your triggers. Know what behaviors or tone of voice or looks that you get that bother you from a certain person set you off. Know your triggers. I personally believe that the people who are closest to you know how to press your buttons and trigger you and rattle your cage and ruffle your feathers more than anyone. So know your triggers, know what sets you off so that you can stay calm, and objective and react proactively, not reactively. So plan ahead. The other thing that I will tell you that I really learned from this experience, and this may be your biggest takeaway, I know it's mine, and that is your worst role models will serve as your greatest teachers. So look For the blessing, in every bad situation, your worst role models will serve as your greatest teachers. Now, I'm glad I reached out to my dad. I can honestly tell you I have no regrets. I was the bigger person in that situation. I feel lighter. I feel happier. I feel as if a huge weight has been lifted off my shoulders. My side of the street is clean. And you know what? Whether you reach out and say what you wanna say in person, whether you decide to do this on the phone or um, the way I did through cards, letters, emails, it really doesn't matter. But know that you emerge the bigger person. You win. In the beginning, when he first passed away, I thought he had the last word. And no, he didn't, partly because I'm going around and and I'm talking about it, but really because I emerged the bigger person. So don't be afraid to be the bigger person. I also feel as if I uh, went from being a caterpillar to a butterfly Another thing that I will tell you is that when that program ended, I actually had a couple of people follow me out and uh, tell me about some of their difficult family situations. So if you have ever had any of those, you're not alone. Probably the best part of the whole day, the icing on the cake was I went back to my hotel, changed into a casual shirt, jeans, and hiking boots, and I, um, I had dinner and then I went to a beautiful lookout point in the Grand Canyon. And the sun was setting. It was like a, a crimson, orange, and red. And there were a lot of people there up at this particular lookout point. And you could look down, you could see the canyon. The canyon colors, all the rocks were changing. There was even a woman who I overheard say something like, um, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but she said something like, um, the colors are changing by the minute. And they really were. And everybody was happy. Everybody was in a good mood. There were young couples. There were couples with small children, with dogs. There were older retired couples. Uh, there were people from all over the world. And you may have seen on Instagram hashtag positive vibes. If I were to give that moment a title, it would be hashtag positive vibes. Everybody was happy. I was happy. I think we were all feeding off of the energy of each other. And, you know, looking back, It was truly a mountaintop experience for me because I I told the story to the group. They wanted to hear it, and I don't think it was an accident. I don't believe in coincidences, and I have a feeling you don't either. Looking back, I think that that moment was meant to be where I was, quote-unquote, forced, if you will— to share the story of how and why my last name is changing. And I know it's not going to change my DNA. I know it's not going to change the past, but I'm legally in the process of changing my name and I'm really I'm really looking forward to it. So it was just a beautiful moment. I was heading along uh the 180 on my way back from the Grand Canyon through Flagstaff and heading back to the Phoenix airport. And I took the 180 because I just wanted the scenic route. You know, it was the the roads were almost canopied at times with trees. And just once again, these beautiful, uh, tall green pine trees. I had the window down. I could smell the crisp, fresh, mountain air. There was lavender all along the side of the road. It was, it was just a beautiful morning, July 10th. And to make my mood even better, I was listening to some good tunes, smooth jazz by uh, saxophonists Huge Groove, Boney James, Vandel, Andrew. And uh, my newest favorite, a song by Paul Brown sunrise on sunset, and I just was looking back and in my mind looking back and reminiscing about the scenery and the sunset and how I have no regrets. So I want to leave you with one thought. Starting today, live your life with no regrets. It's one of the secrets to adopting joy.